Our reading today is actually one of the recommended lectionary texts for Thanksgiving Day this year. It's Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 to 11. I'm going to read the first five and a half verses now, and then we'll come back and read the rest a little later. Listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the author of Deuteronomy. This is Moses speaking to the people. Uh, it's kind of his farewell speech to them, and this is near the end of that speech. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the fruit, some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God has given you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time And say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God, which we'll get to shortly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. So once we get into the holiday season, uh, music plays an essential role in our holiday traditions. I really do think this is a, a, a nearly universal sentiment. Most of us have at least an internal playlist for this season, the songs that we love and are excited to hear year after year. From the, from the first Sunday of November with For All the Saints and Marching to Zion on All Saints Sunday, all the way through to We Three Kings on Epiphany Sunday in January. This time of year is filled with incredible music that perfectly captures the theology and ethos of the season. In the church, we get uh, two solid months of music that lifts our souls as we celebrate the holidays. Music in the church is always wonderful, but there is something special about these two months. I think this is a nearly universal sentiment that uh, music is connected with our holiday traditions in an essential and uh, deeply emotional and spiritual way. So for example, one of our beloved traditions here at Christ United Methodist Church is our service of lessons and carols during Advent. If you've been around very long, you know what I'm talking about. I got to experience this uh, my first year here in 2019. You know how much I love Christmas and I love services of lessons and carols. But then because of the pandemic, we had to uh, not do it in 2020, which was a total bummer for all of us. We brought it back last year and it will remain a cherished tradition here. It always used to be on the Sunday immediately preceding Christmas Eve, so Advent Uh, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Um, And we may very well return to that in the future. Ben and I are are talking about that now. But this year, like last year, we're going to have a full orchestra, both for Lessons in Carols and for the 6.30 p.m. service on Christmas Eve. And so Lessons in Carols is going to be a little earlier in Advent on December 11th. We'll remind you of this a couple times between now and then, uh, but you want to be sure to mark December 11th on your calendars. And if you're new to our congregation, you definitely do not want to miss this service. I'm, I'm pretty sure it'll become one of your favorite traditions as well. Well, before we came to Christ United Methodist Church, our family served First United Methodist Church of Sherman for six years. And it was at First Sherman that a particular Thanksgiving song became part of my personal 
holiday playlist. One of the traditions in that church um, was, at least before the pandemic, uh, to host a church-wide Thanksgiving dinner every year. I think we used to do this here as well out at South Fork, and then, you know, as we grew, that became a little harder to sustain. Uh, But in Sherman, we had a couple who uh, were gourmet-level cooks, and they made it their personal ministry to prepare all of the turkey and dressing (laughs) for this entire church-wide dinner. And they would take time off from work in the days leading up to this event and um, be in the kitchen in the church, making sure everything was just so. And I gotta tell you, their turkey and dressing was as good, mm, it was the best I've ever had. Now my mother is on a a cruise in Europe right now, she's not watching today. (laughs) Um, If you tell her I said that, I'll deny it. But there, this turkey was phenomenal. And the, and the church staff had the blessing of experiencing all those Thanksgiving smells for days leading up to the event. It makes me hungry just, just talking about it. And then everyone else, um, since the turkey and dressing were provided in true Methodist fashion, you know what we would do. Everybody would bring a dish, right? That's, that's how Methodists roll. So it would be like a, a potluck for everything else. Most people dressed up a bit for this service, just like they were going to a holiday party. That kind of added to the atmosphere. But like with, with every beloved holiday tradition that I can think of, um, music played an important role because the highlight of the event for me and for just about everyone who was either a parent or grandparent, I'm sure, uh, was a performance by our children's choirs. The kids, in my opinion, always stole the show as good as that turkey was. And these days, there is a, a particular song etched in my memory a song that I first heard our kids sing one Thanksgiving, a song that will randomly come to mind this week as we uh, lead up to our national holiday devoted to the theology of gratitude. It's simple music, a simple little tune with simple but powerful words made especially poignant uh, because I first heard it sung by children, including my two. It's in the faith we sing. That's that little supplemental hymnal that we use from time to time. And the entire song is this, give thanks with a grateful heart, give thanks to the Holy One, give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son, and now let the weak say I am strong, let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us, give thanks. And the way I hear it in my head, reflects the age at which our youngest son, Sam, first sang it. He was still working on his, on his THs back then, and so he would sing, give thanks. <laughs> Always warm my heart to hear uh, a child reminding uh, me, us, of a simple truth that we sometimes forget as adults, uh, that we should be that we should live with thankful hearts, with grateful hearts, because uh, the God that we love and serve has been so, so good to us. And what better time to focus on that than in these weeks leading up to Thanksgiving? This is the second week of our, of our two-week series on gratitude. Last week we read from the prophet Isaiah. We talked about this idea of the peaceable kingdom, which is... Uh, that concept in which God promises that God will always be with us and God will always provide for our needs. That reading from Isaiah is really kind of uh, forward-looking. It's about a vision of the end of time when God will make all things right in the end. 
Today's reading, on the other hand, looks back on all that God has done for us and reminds us that because of all that God has done for us, we should live in gratitude today. As I mentioned, the, the text for, that we're reading today is the recommended Old Testament lectionary for, for this coming Thanksgiving day. This is in the, the closing chapters of the book of Deuteronomy, um, near the end of the Torah, the law. And it's instructive, I think, that as Moses is wrapping up his farewell speech to his people, reminding them of their responsibilities to God, he offers um, a closing word about giving back to God, which is one of the ways we express our gratitude for God's generosity towards us. And Moses is saying, look, when you get to the promised land, because he knew he was not going to get there with them, when you get to the promised land, when you're when you're done with your wandering in the wilderness and you're enjoying the provision of God, remember the commandment to express your gratitude. And when you do, Moses tells them, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. Amen. It's a good Thanksgiving reading. <clears throat> our national holiday of Thanksgiving is about, it's about remembering our roots. It's about remembering how when, when we were religious refugees from an, from an oppressive monarchy, um, people very different than us helped us to survive. Had it not been for the generosity of strangers, we almost certainly would not have made it. That's the, that's the origin of this beloved holiday. And you may know that it was Abraham Lincoln who codified it to be the fourth Thursday in November. The year was 1863, just a few months after the Battle of Gettysburg, just a few months after what is still the costliest battle in American history. That was the, the year the Civil War turned. That was the year when it became apparent that we were going to make it as a unified nation after all. Prior to 1863, not every state celebrated Thanksgiving, but each state that did set their own date for the celebration. Since 1863, we've all celebrated it together. It's a symbol of, of unity, despite whatever differences there may be among us. And it's in the midst of that historical context that we set aside this day every year, Thanksgiving, to intentionally count our blessings when we consider all that God has done for us and pause 
between all the awesomeness of Thanksgiving, between the parades and the football and the copious amounts of food, we take the time to consider all that we've been given. In the words of Deuteronomy, all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and your house. And we express our gratitude to God for it. That's, that's what our scripture for today is all about. And I love um, the prayer that Moses invites his people to say as they present their gifts to God, especially this really poetic opening phrase, a wandering Aramean was my ancestor. Spiritually speaking, that's true for all of us. Aramean refers to um, Israel's North Syrian ancestry through Abraham and through Jacob, who the text is referring to. As Christians, we're all spiritually descended from Jacob who went down to Egypt where after a time God's people were enslaved. Moses tells the story, God delivered us in the Exodus and brought us to the promised land. And then once we were in the promised land, there were judges and then there were kings and then there were foreign conquerors and foreign oppressors as our faith ancestors over the centuries struggled to remain faithful in the face of the many temptations and distractions of this world. Much of the Old Testament is, a, is an account of that struggle. And then of course God sent Jesus. That's the story that we're gonna tell in the coming weeks of Advent as we prepare for Christmas. And we know that in him, God did something new, something wonderful, something that, that saved and saves us all. And then if we jump forward another several centuries, another bunch of centuries, then our particular national story as American Christians includes the first Thanksgiving and all that has happened since, all that has brought us to, to the moment where we can spend time with family and friends this Thursday in whatever particular way we choose to celebrate. And all of that in a very real sense is a story that is summarized by Moses in our reading for today with that opening line or begins, that whole story begins with that, that one simple poetic opening line, a wandering Aramean was my ancestor and your ancestor. And as we get ready for Thanksgiving, we can give thanks to God for, for all from that time, that wandering Aramean to now that's brought us to today. This year, as we celebrate, we can remember in the context of that broad sweep of history where we came from as people of God. You know, scripture talks a lot about giving thanks to God. That's not surprising. We read about it a lot. But somewhat surprisingly, I think, there are really just a, a handful of what I would consider to be Thanksgiving carols. <laughs> We're about to be in Christmas carol season. We'll hear plenty of those, but there are some Thanksgiving carols, including that song that I talked about earlier, that, that song that the children's choir taught me in Sherman. It's become one of those Thanksgiving carols for me. I want to close today with the story of another one. It's a story that you very well may have heard, but I think it's worth repeating from time to time. It's the story of a, of a Lutheran pastor named Martin Rinkart and his time serving a church in a, a little town called Eilenburg in Saxony. Rinkart had grown up the son of a poor coppersmith before hearing a call to ministry, and he began his work as a pastor just as the Thirty Years' War was beginning to engulf Germany. 
The town of Eilenburg became a, a refuge for political and military fugitives, and the, the civilians in that little town were caught in the middle, as so often happens in war. Eilenburg would be overrun three times over the, year, over the course of this war by competing armies, and the flood of refugees that poured into the town's walls overburdened that community's resources. There was overcrowding, there was famine, disease was rampant. The Rinkart family home became a shelter even though the young pastor had a hard enough time providing for his own family. 1637 was a particularly difficult year in the war as a plague ran through Eilenburg and uh, decimated the overcrowded town. As the only surviving pastor, Rinkart had to officiate as many as 50 funerals in a day. He did 4,000 funerals that year, including the funeral for his own wife. As a trusted community leader, it was Rinkart who was asked to negotiate a peace with the besieging Swedish army, and he did so with such faith and such courage that the hostilities soon ended. And this period of, of tremendous suffering for this community that had given refuge to so many finally came to an end. And it was after all of that heartache and suffering that Martin Rinkhart wrote what has become one of the beloved songs of this season. He wrote it for the survivors of Eilenburg who had had, had the faith to endure and to emerge on the other side of this awful season with grateful hearts. You know the words, I'm guessing. Now thank we all our God, Rinkhart wrote, with heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things has done in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. It was when he wrote it and will always remain a stunning expression of gratitude and a, and a beautiful anthem to the power of the idea that defines this time of year. Then you shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, Moses told our faith ancestors so long ago, as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week. May we do so with grateful hearts because of what the Lord has done for every one of us. Amen.